folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city, on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G-E-E-S, emil.gorgis at tokyorealty.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so we've got yet another JREP session for you today, and this one starts off topic. We talk about pachinko, Japan's longest standing form of legalized gambling and a cultural phenomenon in and of its own online mar marketing and promotions, when are they acceptable and welcome, and when do they turn into annoying tone-deaf spamming. And then we do segue back into the topic of Japanese real estate, and we talk about who can actually buy property here, does it need to be done in person, can landlords manage properties on their own, and should they? And from there, we branch off into a discussion about rental property cleaning, particularly in the case of short-term rentals or monthly rentals, and also about tenants who have a tendency for hoarding belongings and rubbish, and storage of personal belongings in and around residential properties. And to sum things up, we get some recent mortgage loan case studies from Emil, chat a little bit about the current super attractive foreign exchange rate situation, uh, or at least attractive to those among you who are currently considering purchasing property in Japan. And lastly, a heads up and spoiler regarding a brand new Japan Real Estate Experts panel member who will be joining us very soon. So really nice freeform kind of jam on and around the topic of real estate property here in the land of the rising sun. Enjoy the ride and I'll see you again on the other side. You have a very good <laughs> Yeah, that was totally different. <laughs> Recording in progress. Recording. Enhance. Mm -hmm. All right, we're back enhance, in full enhance. form, all four of us. Oh, my God. It's a miracle. <laughs> Listen to that enthusiasm, everybody. <laughs> all right, it's quick school, round of intros, holidays. and then uh, let's get into it. Yeah, it's school holidays, so I'm at home, and I guess Emil is at home because our kidlets are at home right now, so when we should be outside looking at cherry trees because they're in full bloom. Looking My at kids. cherry trees. Yeah, looking at trees. That's, that's like, yeah. That's yeah. with a strong too high underneath the trees. My 13th drink. <laughs> <laughs> when we, my kids are at the grandparents' house, so I've got the afternoon to myself. I knew lovely people. Nice. Yes, you people. 
Yeah, my it, son's it, at it, home officially, but he's constantly out, so I'm not feeling the stress there. Mine's just upstairs watching YouTube, so, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. quick round of intros. Okay, Tracy. I am I am Tracy. I have been doing short-term rentals in Tokyo for 10 years. So I have been through regulations. I have been through tourist booms and pandemics and all sorts of things. I can, if you buy me a coffee, I will, you know, tell tell all the stories, but I can also help you uh, help you make good bank and uh, maximize your profits on uh, short-term rentals in Japan and also globally. So that's what I'm doing. Tracy Tells All. That's the title of the book right there. <laughs> I've, actually, I've actually just written a book and I'm in the process of writing another book, believe it or not. Excellent. Nice. Mm. My third I'm one, my third book, yeah. My first one is actually Food and Drink. Um, food and Drink in Japan. It's a, <laughs> it's a phrase book. Um, on how to, you know, eat and drink your way around Japan. So, mm. a valuable Ooh. resource. Extremely. I wrote it. I, I wrote it actually. So it's um, did my research by going into kombinis and looking at onigiri and, and writing down all the different types of onigiri. So, yeah, it's anyway. amazing <laughs> the different journeys we've had in our time in this country <laughs> or in any country, right? But yeah, the, the stuff that we've I was almost a, a, a wedding minister at one stage when they were when they were getting all the you know in Japan anyone who's like white can like for twenty thousand yen an afternoon you can come to a mock church and just read out some pretend to stand there in front of like a, a Japanese couple getting married for photos. It's not a bad idea. That there's a lot of it's people a, making a lot of money ex- like that. Yeah, it's a it's a great way to blaspheme. On a budget. Oh, yeah, I was just close to doing it until like just the schedule didn't work out. So hold on, you want me to wake up at what time on a Saturday morning? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the uh, when I just arrived in Japan, didn't have a visa, didn't do anything. I was just kind of living here and not being able to work. I actually wrote a draft of a book um, about how to win at pachinko. I think I've still got it somewhere. <laughs> and do you practice what you preach? I haven't for a long, long time. And since Corona started, I'm not setting foot in those places like virus hatcheries. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Oh, God, no. I've never oh. played Pachinko. So next time I come to Tokyo's Eve, please uh, do I, step in. I, 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 played, I played once, one time, and I feel like I lost faster than I lose at Blackjack. So <laughs> I value my eardrums. Honestly, those places are so loud. Yes, well, and here's, the, here's the wacky thing about Pachinko. Like, I'm all into rock and roll. I love turning things up to 11, but not rackets. Like, that's just meaning, <laughs> meaningless noise, right? At least get some amps in there, right? You know, there's a, like a science. In, well, once you really get into it, all you can hear is your machine. Like, everything else fades away. Uh, <laughs> ASMR on, on crack, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a bit of a science, like all... all um, Oh, gambling! Like that, there, there, there is a system there. It's just they're not being emotional about it and looking at the numbers. Ziv, for for the listeners that aren't familiar, can you explain what pachinko is? Sure. So pachinko is it's been with us uh, since World War II or so. I think it's originally from Korea, and it's basically it looks like um, like a pinball machine that's been turned 
um, vertically. So the balls are falling from the top and you're supposed to get them into the right kind of holes. And when you do get them into the right hole, there's a little um, like a slot machine kind of spinner that goes. But uh, these days they're very advanced. So whenever you're rolling for your slot, there's like all kinds of crazy animations and, and people fighting and fish flying around and stuff like that. They're fully digital. And if you do get your um, three numbers in a row or whatever it is, depends on the machine, then uh, more balls start pouring out of the bottom of the machine or depending on what it is now, they might just uh, automatically be credited to like a plastic card that at the end of that, you take it out and you can either get prizes for it in exchange for how many balls you've uh, collected, or you can go around the corner to a completely unrelated shop and exchange your plastic card for cash. Tell me, how much skill is involved, though, Ziv? Um, well, you, the I mean, skill is, is not... Involved? Do you have to twiddle knobs and, you know... No, so there's, no, there's no real, there's no real um, motoric skills involved. I mean, there, there is a bit, but it's, uh, it's very easy to learn. This, the skill to winning is more related to choosing the right machine and the right amount of money to spend on it before you move on to another machine. And there's statistics at the top. So you, you look back and you see... Each machine has a frequency of randomness that's supposed to win one in a hundred times or one in 500 times or one 1,000 times. So you go back at the statistics, you see when was the last time that this machine won, how many wins did it rack in the days before that, and then you choose which machine you're going to sit on based on that, hoping that it's going to, uh, that statistics are on your side and it's going to win soon. That's Is the that real skill, it's choosing line... the right machine. So I, yeah, because I, like, in the mornings before they open, there's lines of people in front of the Pachinko machines. I'm like, what's the rush? But I guess yeah. that explains it. They're yes. to like find the right machine first. Yes, so they know of a particular machine. Uh, I mean, these are real pros. They're there 24-7, but they've, um, they've mapped down. There's actually applications that you can uh, get online which tell you all of these statistics for the various Pachinko parlors around a particular area. And you can actually sit at home and, you know, just look at it. And when you notice that there's a machine that's getting close to that threshold, you just go there and try to grab it. So they're waiting in line because they know which machine they want to get. They want to get there first. And just so people have an idea, the, the, the balls that come out, they're like little metal ball bearings about a centimeter in diameter. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And there's just dozens, if not hundreds of them, like just falling through. Like when I would see it, when I pass by and see it outside, just falling through the, the machine constantly. Yeah, that's why it's called pachinko, because of the noise that those little balls make when they hit each other. They're patch, 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 patch. Yeah. And it uh, is a very, very, very noisy place. Once you end, it's like, um, I read somewhere, it's like being in a laundromat when you've taken psychoactive drugs, like the lights and the balls <laughs> and the noises. It's just unbelievable. Basically like legalized gambling. You're not well, selling really it. Like it. <laughs> you're not selling it for me, anyway. It is so gambling it's is not, illegal in Japan, except the uh, pachinko. There's a loophole. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the introductions. I've got someone at the door. You guys carry yes, on. Yes, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is working. Emil's great. gone to play pachinko now. Yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. Who are you? Uh, I am Matt. Ketchum, um, one half of Aki and Inaka, a rural, abandoned, vacant, let's say, uh, and 
usually rural, but not necessarily a real estate consultant, partnered with a licensed real estate agency. And I can help you live your best life in rural Japan. Uh, we deal with all those abandoned houses that you've heard of. Uh, long story short, those 500 bucks ones, they do exist. They're garbage almost across the board. You probably don't want one unless you want to sink a whole bunch of time and money into renovating it. Uh, good news, though, is if you 10x your budget and then a little bit more, maybe, there are some very affordable and very attractive offerings out there if you know how to look, which is what we do. So, uh, yeah, we can help you find... Uh, <laughs> property outside of the metro area and even help you uh you know find communities and wacky uh wacky opportunities to go have some fun so yeah that's me i'm matt nice to meet you matt can you please do the intro for me because you got so much enthusiasm <laughs> so much pump no <laughs> <laughs> so okay so my name is emil i am a tokyo-based real estate he agent. loves what he does i replied to another one of those um free houses emails just this morning. Oh, really? Yeah, they're kind of increasing in frequency a little bit, I've noticed. <laughs> um, that's actually, we can talk about that too later, but Emil, tell us about yourself. <laughs> okay, I am a real estate agent based here in Tokyo. I help foreign families find, or mixed families find a, their personal home in, in Tokyo. So I focus more just on personal homes, not really investments, people looking to buy for themselves. And because we're a licensed agency, we have the loan offices from the major banks mortgage centers assigned to our office. So we also do the, the mortgage broking function as well. So we do all the discussions with the bank and arrange the, the best financing available for you as part of the, the service. Um, it's included in the, the agency fee that you pay. So that's what we do. Any questions about buying a home in Tokyo, financing, et cetera, reach out to me, email, um, uh, email me and we'll set up a phone call and have a chat. That's me. And then, uh, sorry, I, I was away. Is it Zip's turn now? Zip's okay. turn. Um, there it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, now go for it, Tracy. No, I, Zip's frozen. So on my screen, I don't know, but you guys. Yeah, likewise. He just blacked out. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> How about now? No, you're, you're still back? frozen. No, well, he's, he's completely back on my screen now. He was frozen, then he's gone. Really? So. That's it's okay. Right. It's, your, it's, your, it's your better side, Ziv. How about now? <laughs> oh, Ziv is frozen. How about that? <laughs> um, let me... Can you hear me at least? We can hear you. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. okay, let me switch off the camera. And... Just up and back on. See how you go. Start it again. How about now? No. Back? Now I got nothing to. No, no, you're just black. I miss the future no. I was promised in which all technology would work all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, they, he's, he's back. He's back. I got you back. Let me log out. You know what? Just like do this or something. Like Let me, got me back? Moving? Uh, you're Not frozen. Moving. No, you're I got you. You're no longer black. Am I moving? No, you're black, completely black. Can't even see you. It's like talking yeah. to my parents. Just no. unemotional. Um, let me log out and back. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll, 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 uh, we'll watch out for him when he comes back. So you were talking just before we came on, we started recording, Matt, about advertising and uh, promoting and stuff. So yeah. where were you going with that? 
so uh, something that I notice rather often, um, especially amongst the kind of, there's a whole bunch of like rural revitalization Facebook groups and all that stuff, um, which I'm a member of. I'm not poo-pooing any of them <coughs> a little bit. Uh, but something that comes up a lot is, and I mean, I see this also at, you know, the American Chamber of Commerce or any Chamber of Commerce events. And just like generally speaking in, I think, business uh, dealings uh, around this country, but also elsewhere, um, there, there's a severe allergy to anything that could even be perceived as some kind of self-promotion. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't want people running around hawking this or that thing incessantly 24-7, right? That is annoying. Um, but there, the, way, the way that it happens right now, I just I see a lot of like, hey, a legitimately cool and quite possibly interesting thing happened to me slash my business that is relevant to a given community. Here's a link or here's the article or here's our new service or whatever. And often, like, I just don't post it anymore. Like, I don't even talk about any of this stuff because I know that pretty much every single time that I've done that in whichever group or, or wherever, there's frequently some kind of backlash that's more of a hassle than it's worth. And I don't think that's good because especially in the rural revitalization scene, it needs entrepreneurs. It needs people with new ideas and wacky things that are going on and stuff that's attractive and interesting and new. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of see that as a bit of a lost opportunity. Again, let me reiterate, I don't want people always advertising stuff, but at the same time, I think sometimes it's all right. Well, That's I think the, the, the issue is being tone deaf. It's just, Back you know, it, it, it's like if some, you know, if there is a conversation going on about X and then you drop in information about yourself constantly, it's a bit tone deaf, if, especially if it's not adding value to the existing conversation so absolutely and being active on reddit is a great way to learn this skill <laughs> because if you if you introduce anything that is unrelated or even potentially unrelated into a conversation you will get destroyed so yeah the tone deaf education tone education is of course very very important um but yeah i just wish but that... but, but i i still don't understand there's certain Certain groups that I'm involved in well as well and it's like you know any sort of whiff of you know well and you know people jump all over you it's like man you gotta eat like everybody sells everybody you know um anyone who thinks that you don't sell or you aren't selling then um then you're living in a then either you know you're living in a uh, uh you know an academic world where mm. you know it, it's it's not it's not real life um and i you know i just don't um i just don't think it's a very viable business well, model <laughs> you know for for a society you've got to you know you've got to have commerce and you've got to have sales and and anyone who thinks that any sort of sales is evil and bad as um i think it's a so, bit misguided mm. so i think it, it, it's easy to sort of put things in 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 buckets and say oh all all sales are like that or kind of you know any any advertisement or self promotion is spam. Mm. Um, well, yeah. well, welcome back, welcome back, Steve. By the way, um, but yeah. I think there's there's that fine balance, right? And I mean, like you know, uh, for real estate in Tokyo, I mean, just life in Tokyo. There's a few Facebook groups that I'm that I'm involved in, and some are like about parenting, some are about you know, um, uh, just foreigners in Japan, some are about real estate, and in each one, I think we're all in members of similar groups, right? In each one, we give 
there's certain discussions and certain things that are acceptable or not acceptable. So, you know, the probably one of the biggest, most popular ones is Tokyo Expat Network 10, right? right? And they have some rules like you can't just spam, but they have a window every, like every, like one weekend a month, the show it off weekend is you can spam the hell out of your stuff. And I think they've done a really good job of, okay, this mm. is the window where you can spam and we can know what you're about, but then block it off. Because if that was just all the time, and there are some people that are just brutal with it. That's it becomes it no longer becomes a nice community. And when you have communities, there's um there's one like uh, I think uh, one of the international parents groups. People were just constantly spamming, and I said to the moderator like control it. And he's like, oh, as long as there's like some kind of good, um, like always some kind of offer for the members. Hey, join my club or whatever. My you know we have a language seminar for kids or coding, and and members of this group get five percent discount or free registration. He said, as long as people have that, um, what's it, uh, like some kind of benefit for the members, then he allows it. And sure, that's fine, but it just becomes only that. And you go in there not for actual valuable discussion. Whereas I know with like, you know, 10, I think is, is established and experienced enough that they've got a good system in place. You can promote your own stuff if, if it's a response to a question. So in my case, when people ask about real estate, and they say, look, I'm looking for a real estate agent um, who who can help or can anyone recommend? Then a few, like there are a few agents in that group, will go in and talk and say, oh, well, this is us. Because and they, um, uh, was it uh, Amanda, who's the, the moderator of that group? She specifically allowed that because she said, if you're answering someone's inquiry or request about where is I'm looking for a real estate agent, who's a real estate agent, or who can you recommend, or where's a cake restaurant, where where's a cake shop? I'm looking for a birthday cake. You can promote, oh, well, I have a, you know, I run this cake store wherever. You can promote as a response to a question, but just a, a, a cold spam message is not okay. And it needs to be a balance, done by, I think, by the moderators that what creates a good community is one that can balance that out. Um, yeah, so thinking about it now, I, th I think my main <laughs> issue isn't so much the backlash against advertising, but rather the fact that it seems that a lot of people just don't bother putting any work into stuff and coldly spam people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's just that's just rude, you know. I, I, look, I run, a, I run a different Facebook group and, and um, I let anyone join, but you can't just, you know, the, the number of people that come and just try and drop completely unrelated stuff um, and just go on the numbers is, is that, you know, it, it astounds me. And of course, That's they get immediately. Usually too. Like it's fine to advertise your business or your services, but it's got to be related to the topic that the group is discussing. Mm -hmm. I mean, people come to a Japan real estate group to talk about Japan real estate. So yeah, go ahead and publish your listings. But if you're selling mobile phones, this is not the group to be advertising them in, right? Exactly. But, you know, people see fresh, fresh warm bodies and their p p potential wallets. So it's like, I'm not, not interested in that. And it's not, it's not very clever marketing either. It's just, um, you know, so it's not a, not a very, well, not a very strategic sales um, plan anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I think the issue, there, there's two issues though, right? Like one is when it's just a Facebook community or a platform where an individual has organized it, um, or a corporation, whatever it may be, it's up to them to manage it in a way that the community is successful. And if it's managed poorly, then guess what? They're not going to get good traction. It's not going to be a good community. Mm -hmm. right? It's going to be just a complete mess. And so no one will be involved. And then it has no value. So the moderator or the creator, is it's in their best interest, if they want to grow it, to to do it in a, in a good manner. And I think 
10, Tokyo Expat Network, is a great example of one that has a massive membership, very, very involved. Um, and the other one is um, Parents with Kids in Japanese Schools. That's a good one, yeah. That. It's fantastic, great resource because it's a big struggle. Um, but the other one with maybe what, what Matt is referring to is if it's a government-run site, if it's the government's Facebook group, the local council's Facebook group, right, there's a difference when it's an individual and a local council. Mm. And the local council needs to really be held to a high level of responsibility and accountability on the content that they are allowing in, the spam or the kind of people they are promoting. Because, because if it is supported and promoted and accepted within a government-managed government um, group or forum, they take some kind of liability. If a scammer comes and starts promoting and has their blessing, start promoting and someone gets scammed, they're going to go back to the government authority and say that. So I, um, especially when it comes to rural revitalization, I'm guessing that's more government groups and local yeah. council groups. Mm. Yeah, so they need to be careful and that's a fine balance, which I think is you know, beyond my sort of scope. That's why I'm not really an admin for, for no, stuff. Right. Like, yeah, because it's like, because everything is spam. It's like, what's the right degree? I think I mentioned Yuziv with the Japan Real Estate Group saying people are just posting listings that they've got in all over the place and there's not in my, like, they don't put the price, they don't put the local station and the site, like the key information. I'm like, oh, they've got a great listing. Pete, like, ask me about, um, you know, send me a message to find out the price. People mm. like, just tell me the price, tell me the price, yeah, tell me the price. If you're trying to sell, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, oh, PM me, like, no, like, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm not going to really go and buy a place out in wherever the hell you mentioned. And, and then when, and yeah, so I'm like, is that okay? You're like, yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. People can post their listings. But like, then fine, I can pull up, you know, a thousand listings a day and just sort of pitch them, but uh, I won't. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, I think that balance, but you need to manage it as a community leader. What's the right balance and moderation that you find works within your community? Um, and that's, that's a, a good point to me too. Challenge within, part. within the given community, right? Because each community is going to have kind of different levels yeah. of acceptability and whatnot. And I think that, yeah. yeah, just that kind of realization and and uh, appreciation of the kind of the dynamics of a given community are really the thing that you have to pay attention to. Which, having said just now, is like a really very basic thing that I think frequently gets overlooked. <laughs> but I, I know where you're coming from, Matt. Like we actually have... Um, a pretty big Fukuoka group where people are talking about stuff in Fukuoka. And whenever you post something that's, you know, talking about a business, even if it's not your business, you're saying, oh, this place has really good chicken. No, 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 no. You can't advertise business. So that actually, you know, leads me to create my own group where people are allowed to talk about business and I'm happy to regulate it. And, you know, if somebody's posting the same commercial uh, uh, message five times in a row and pushing everybody else's posts down, then we'll let him know that he's spamming. But otherwise you're very welcome to share your business. And then you gotta be open to the fact that people might not like your business and they'll say something about what they don't like about it too, right? Right. Mm -hmm. We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, 
tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, a, oh, go, Tracy. I was going to say, speaking of business, what's your Ziv? Oh, that's right. Oh, we were doing intros, right. Oh, sorry. Did you like and that little segue? Anyone <laughs> listening to this knows about Ziv because this is your, your podcast that you're pitching. But go ahead. Well, no, no not Don't always. Actually. I've had some people uh, reach out that said, oh, you actually work in real estate too? We thought it was just a hobby and you do podcasts because you like it. Oh, um, so we funny. do, uh, yes, we do work in real estate. We represent um, mostly investors and holiday home shoppers, um, mostly remote, but plenty of people who actually live in Japan and do not have the bandwidth or the um, inclination or are not interested in handling things on their own and we represent them throughout the research and purchase and management uh, and if and when they want to sell a uh, life cycle as well so anywhere family homes we usually leave to uh, people like Emil because that requires um, hand-holding throughout uh, a lot of uh, inspections and visits and weekends uh, there's no really any advantage to doing that remotely you want to be on the ground and um, we don't do rentals. We leave that to experts like Tracy. And we uh, usually don't do abandoned properties as well. So this is a really good mix. But anything in between, um, we're very happy to help with. And you do not need to physically be in Japan to purchase and manage a home here. We should probably add, you know, we've never spoken about this, but a lot of people are not even aware of the fact that you don't need to be a resident of Japan to purchase real estate in Japan. Yes, this is something that we're starting to see considerably considerable increase in action on, actually. Um, and it's, it's wacky, because you, do, you don't. <laughs> I mean, there's business registration, and there's other things that you have to do that kind of can make it sort of complicated. But at the, at the end of the day, you don't need to be a resident to own property in Japan. But you, yep. can, but you can't get finance. That's that's the caveat there. Like yeah. if, you, if you're looking for finance, yeah, it's a different, yeah. It's a different yeah. conversation. Yeah. But if you're if, if you know you're independently wealthy and you have the cash or you've got 
financial, you know, you've got uh, finances coming in from, from overseas, that's no problem at all. You can buy whatever you like. Oh, And there are actually, I just recently discovered uh, and had a conversation with some people who are involved with basically what amounts to like foreign real estate investment funds that are specifically focused on investment in Japan from outside of it. So you can even, if you want to go down that route, whether or not they're sketchy, can't say, uh, but are kind of alternative uh, methods of going about it. Like fund structures, you mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there are plenty of those, and uh, some of them do pretty good work. We've been working with one that invests specifically in uh, luxury yokans and onsen resorts and so forth. And um, Corona days notwithstanding, they've been doing pretty good work for their uh, for their investors. And um, but I think what people often don't realize is that while Japan is the only country in Asia Pacific that doesn't pose limits or official limits on foreign buyers of real estate, um trying to actually manage it yourself, open a bank account, property managers, dealing with building management companies, renovation companies, that's all nearly impossible without having someone on the ground, unfortunately. Right, right. And so there's this huge gap between official policies and practical, uh, practical management practices. Right. And ain't that the story almost all of <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. so my Like my rental properties, I just like even I'm here and I speak the language and I don't touch them. I just put them to a, a, the, a like, well, our office. We have about 45 staff in our office. Um, and part of it is a rental department. There's about a thousand properties under rental management now. So I just leave it with the rental team and they take care of it. And all they do is send me an email with Emil, we've, we've uh, got an applicant. This is your information. Uh, yes or no. Um, and some back and forth. But yeah, or yeah, shower head broke. We had to replace it. We're taking eighteen thousand yen off your next rental payment. That's it. Um, <clears throat> yes, even being local and speaking language, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to sort it out. I just get it done by the basically the manager. The professional. And also, <clears throat> it, it should be pointed out that if you're a Japanese, your typical Japanese tenant sees a gaijin landlord coming in to uh, collect the rent or talk to them about anything related to maintenance, <clears throat> they'll probably. Uh, freak out and move out in most cases yeah i don't like well even if a japanese landlord the japanese landlord coming doing that in your face like i don't want like it, it's not it's not standard like that's why you want a, a management company in between take care of all the headache and you don't like that's why they take little percentage and it's standard is about three to five percent of the monthly rental is the management fee so let's say it's a hundred thousand yen a month the management company will take about three to five thousand yen per month um to management uh, to manage it and also when it's newly rented they'll take one month of renting fee so if it's hundred thousand yen they'll the, a, you need to pay when a new tenant comes in you need to pay a hundred thousand yen that's also why it's pretty common for the owner to want one month of key money because they want to they, they get that money and give it to the the agents um yeah yeah and uh, it's worth pointing out um that in specific cases where it's particularly hard to get a tenant for whatever reason, because it's the wrong time of year or because the rent is too high or anything of that sort, um, the cost can sometimes be more than one month out of pocket. So two or three months uh, are quite common as well. If you want to keep the rent high or if you want to, uh, you got a lot of competition from vacant units in your, in your area or it's, next to a university and it's in the middle of the semester, there's nobody coming in there to look for apartments. In those cases, you can pay um, increased advertising and placement fees to get property managers around the area to prioritize your property over others. 
Mm. I mean, the other option is obviously putting furniture in there and um, making it a month-to-month rental. So that's the um, that's the other option. However, I have I've actually been because of the pandemic, I've been running month-to-month uh, rental on on all of my short term, a lot of my short term. And I'm actually going to, I'm putting a stipulation in that uh, it will be, uh, you must have a, uh, like, like once a month cleaning. Because I've just had a, <laughs> I've just had a guy move out after six months and oh my goodness, they, uh, they settled really? in. They settled in and they left furniture behind. It's like, what? <laughs> it's like, deal with this. So. Did we don't, don't, they pay you a, don't they pay a cleaning fee though, as part of the uh, monthly term lease? Sorry, say that again. I'm sorry, I've got someone ringing in and I have to <laughs> tell them not to ring in. So say, say that again. Don't they pay a cleaning fee as part of their contract on the short term? They do, but that's a like beginning and end. Um, I'm going to actually include a... Um, so this particular, this particular client... Um, yeah, this particular client moved in, was the only place supposed to stay a month, and then it ended up kept extending and extending and extending... Um, and, and I said, look, okay, well, let's, I'll put a clean, I'll, you know, I'll send you in a cleaner and we'll, we'll clean up. And it was like, well, no, we're just, we're just going to, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it clean ourselves. I'm like, going, okay, all right. What are you, what are you hiding here? Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, I have like a legit aversion to this now. I don't, I don't think we discussed hoarders. Did we? Oh, the, the monkey house. The oh, not, not the monkey. So, uh, long story there. So again, like Akia can be nice, but frequently they're not. Um, and so there was this one in Odawada that we were checking out, and oh my god, I thought I knew what hoarding was. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> this was at first just kind of surprising and comical, but then I started like thinking. Of, I mean, literally, no, like meters and it was all books books and videotapes dhs Monday. yeah and it was just an ocean of garbage two stories of just nowhere to walk and then you start thinking about like how does somebody like there's a like that's when you realize this is a mental illness like this is a this is a problem sort of thing so yeah tracy clean that shit up <laughs> <laughs> we got a tenant like this now we've actually had um they called up to say that the front door lock isn't working Thanks properly, and we sent a technician over to uh, to have a look at that. And uh, it turns out that it's not working properly because of the amount of shit that she's got in the apartment. Yeah, so much so that it's actually applying pre- constant pressure on the door, and that managed to break the mechanism on the lock. Yeah, it's yeah. it's keeping apartment clean or a house, really anything in working condition is surprisingly difficult for some people. Yeah, mm. so. That's well. One reason I like. Um, so I had a phone call before to pop off. Um, well, the one reason I like uh, buildings with that are kind of strictly managed or have regulations, and a big one is what you can put on the balcony and what you can put in the common areas, like basically in the corridors when you get out of the, like you know get out of the elevator and you go to your apartment. What you can actually store in front of your door, and mm-hmm. some places. Uh, like they don't really care. When I haven't heard about that last one actually. Oh yeah. So basically, in general, you know the the corridor space, you know where you you walk out the elevator to whichever your apartment is, that's common area. Yeah. You can't leave boxes and storage there, technically. 
they'll they'll have maybe in front of some of the windows maybe an air conditioner unit space there's no extra air conditioners like you know because one of the bedrooms if it's facing that this area is for air conditioner um and sometimes in the front door like some places the management doesn't care they're like they don't mind if people get deliveries put there or if people put their stroller or bicycle in the corridor there are no comments but some of them are quite strict and say look you can't put anything even an umbrella hanging on like the uh, the metal grate of your window right in the car and you and it kind of works two ways though one you think ah that's overkill but then you go to an apartment with 80 umbrellas all yeah. just collected <laughs> over time those. in front of the window <laughs> I've felt the hoarder ones because we're talking about hoarders is when there's no rules and regulations the way it's out of control everyone's nice 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 and there's one room with eight boxes stacked up of junk in front of their front door like in, in front of like the the like the doorbell area it's like that yeah. that's unsightly for everyone and everything yeah right? it's, it's honestly man like i didn't understand like i agree with what you just said like it's unsightly and it doesn't no it's worse it's really worse like <laughs> It's scary. <laughs> and, it's, yeah. and it's a fire trap as well, you know. So. It's so yeah. many things. Like, don't, if if you or your loved ones or anybody you know of even seems like they're beginning to hoard, like, step in, man. <laughs> like, you know. yeah. But one thing when we look at, uh, for, for mansions, right, is uh, when we, um, like, of course, not an issue for houses, just with the, the mansions or the condo units. Um, on the floor plan, if the door is flush, depends on the age of the building as well. If the corridor is straight and the door is just flush, like there's, you know, one long corridor and eight apartments and the door is just flush with the apartment, technically you have no space outside of your front door, which is yours. It's all common area. Some of the more modern buildings, like post 2000, it's kind of a bit more curvy and your door is a bit receded in. Maybe anywhere from like 10 centimeters to maybe 50 centimeters or it could be a whole meter that you've got, right, that's receded in. And they call that the alcove space. Oh, okay. Sometimes on the, on, sometimes on the flyer, it will say your apartment is 78 square meters, plus you have 0.75 square meter of alcove space, or half a square meter, 0.25 square of alcove space. And that is literally between, like, in front of your front door. And you can tell when you look, it's a bit of an indentation area. And what that means, like, and that means that's actually your area. So if you want to put umbrellas there, if you want to get an Amazon delivery left in front of your door, this is your space you're, you're permitted to. The building management does not have control over this area. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting point, like when you look at it, because especially the ones that are quite strict and say, no, nope, you can't have even a delivery left in your front door or you can't leave umbrellas out on the, the hangar is um, is interesting. Can, can be strict, so they have that as a bit of a workaround. You can't store boxes. You, it's not big enough to store something too significant. You can't put a bicycle there, but you can have the convenience of just a, a two or three umbrellas for regular use. Um, but when you go to the places where they do have quarters, where there's no no rules, most people are, don't do that, but the ones that do, they have so much stuff out there. It's a complete mess. And even kids' stuff. It's not just like, yeah, you can have one kid's strider out there, when you have like, you know, um, two strollers and three striders and a bicycle, it's like, yeah, I get it. Maybe you need a bigger place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's it really like you, you're walking through and like going through the pause and, oh, this is nice. Oh, Jesus Christ. And with a buyer, like you want to buy the one next door or you go up and down and go, 
yeah. it's, not, it's not attractive. It's a, it feels ghetto. It takes away from it a lot. Yeah, but, but also, like, the designs are not really, you know, design for living is, uh, is, a, is a problem here. Like, I don't think uh, when architects build mansions and design mansions, they're really thinking about the livability. It's more about how, how many square metres and, and how much they can make per square metre, which is uh, difficult. Difficult. Yeah, but that, that, that's why you need to find a place that is suitable for you. Mm. Right? If, if the rules say you can't leave stuff out the front, then you can't leave it. But in the same way, some people like with bicycles and they like the fact that, oh, this apartment, this, I see some people can bring a, like a, another easy one. Can bicycles be taken up the elevator or not? Mm-hmm. Some people would like, there's bicycle parking, but some people will have like, you know, a, a 300,000 yen or 500,000 yen for a $5,000 bike. Which mm-hmm. I, it, it stays in it stays in my house. Are they allowed to take it up the elevator? Because some places where you know you can't take it up the elevator, so you actually have to take it up the staircase. Right, right, and and so yeah, that's like well, when I lived in uh, Hamamatsuro, uh, I was on the tenth floor, mm-hmm. and yeah, that was a deciding factor because <laughs> if I had to haul that thing up ten staircase or ten flights of stairs, that would have been a no go. Yeah. So, I kind of like maybe maybe it's because I'm originally from the Middle East and I'm kind of used to that growing up. But I, I like to see a lively building, like the strollers and the and the um, the bicycles and even you know some shoes out the front. Not the boxes, that's disgusting. But I mean, signs of life, or you know, like little pot plants and stuff like that. That that to me oh, actually it's, it's, nice. it's kind of like that. what we were talking about with advertising, right? <laughs> it depends on the community. Yeah, <laughs> and, and how how do you control it? But you also notice as well, right when you don't have these issues when it's the more affluent types of buildings. Yeah. Right. They don't need to put that, that policy in place, but when it's a million dollar apartment or $1.5 million apartment building, like apartments in the building and all of them are priced like that, you're not going to, and it's a more modern building, not an old one down place. You're going to have like the, the quality of the tenant or the people living there, the owners there are going to sort of care for it more. And they're not the ones who just leave, collect, you know, um, someone who can afford a $1 million apartment is not going to have, you know, 18 old plastic dirty umbrellas in front of their house on their window. Yeah. It's self-regulated. <laughs> uh, like, but like, yeah, I'm not saying it's definite, but the, the right. ratio, like the older, more rundown buildings, cheaper ones, mm-hmm. tend to have more of a collection of, of, of junk and clutter. Yeah, there, there was a pretty, right. this is actually an interesting anecdote. Now that I think about it, there was, there was a spot, it was like 2.4 million um, US down in Kamakura we were working with. Uh, nice house, but the, the couple that lived there, older couple, uh, one was a sci- an ornithologist and the other was some kind of artist. So sort of eclectic types. Um, this wasn't the worst, but it was definitely like pretty damn cluttered. Interestingly enough, they're specifically on the second floor. This threw me for a loop. Um, I'm walking down the hall for the first time and I turn and there's bathroom there and it's one of those bathrooms with a urinal, right? And this particular urinal though, happened to have quite a number of cameras set up around it. And I was very curious about This was apparently an issue. (laughs) (laughs) And for like five minutes, I was like, boy, what is is going on here? Um, were you standing there for five minutes just going (laughs) and so actually the explanation though turned out to be way more interesting than you could even imagine and it goes back to ornithology (laughs) turns out that the window which was above the urinal 
looked out on a very spectacular tree in the backyard. And this ornithologist, because of the, the visual sight lines of that tree, had actually set up a number of pulleys with ropes or string rather, um, that he would put various types of food into so that he could pull open and close these boxes of feed so that he could attract particular types of birds and then take pictures of. <laughs> so from the toilet windows. From the from the urinal, yes. <laughs> well, it's his, right? Yeah, that, that was a very interesting... Uh... <laughs> we, have, we have a toilet with pulleys and cameras. I'm like, hey, hold up. Yeah. Hold up, hold up. It, it, I'm not yeah. sure I'm how I'm going to label this file when I download it. Pachinko's urinals. <laughs> orders, yeah. All, all orders. yeah. And, and home loans. Let me tell oh, you some, nice. give you some numbers recently. So we've got um, two interesting deals in the process. I say interesting, no, not interesting. They, they are the better ones where great loan terms and the bank pays all your closing costs. I've had a few discussions recently. People are trying to get, you know, it's quite common that the bank will give you a family home loan for 100% closing costs. Uh, so 100% cost. So if the property costs 80 million yen, the bank will give you 80 million. And you need to pay the other, you know, five to eight percent of closing costs yourself. Right. Okay, that's standard for taxes, agency fee, lawyer fee, um, uh, 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 remaining asset tax, um, uh, insurance, and what have you. Sometimes um, we can also get those closing costs included in the um, in the home loan. So if it's eighty million yen and the like um, the uh, closing costs come to another 4 million, then you can get an 84 million yen home loan. And out of pocket is actually very, very little. So we've got two places right now um, that are in the process of closing. So for many agents, the, um, the fiscal year ends in March, or many companies in Japan in general, the, um, the fiscal year is April through to March. So now being the year end, um, March is a really crazy, busy, busy time. Everyone's closing. So, we have two right now. Um, one of them is uh, I'll actually give you the numbers so people can so okay, this is how much it how much we um, uh, it actually ends up being. So uh, let me pull it up. So this one the the loan is about seventy two million yen. The closing costs for this are uh, where is it? I'm just looking at the sheet here. The closing costs come to five million five million and seventy thousand yen. Mm. So. $50,700. Exchange rate is all over the place right now. But if we just assume a one for one, um, the bank loan is coming up. To, so it's a, um, so 71.8 for the house. We're getting 5 million of closing cost. So it's 76.8 million yen um, is a loan. And the buyer needs to pay out of his pocket cash 71,000 yen. So it's like $710 is wow. cash out of pocket on on this loan um uh, and this is one this one we're getting with Arizona. and we have another one which is with sn uh, which is with Sh uh, shinsei bank um and that one is i'll just give you this um and that one is coming to i think we're going to take 40 3.9 million for the house. Um, closing costs are um, uh, 3.6 uh, 3.6 million 
yen, 3.607 million um, yen. So the total borrowing is um, 47.5 million yen. And their out-of-pocket expense is about is seven thousand nine hundred yen, so seventy nine dollars. So seventy nine dollars out of pocket is how much cash they need to contribute, and only because the home loans are issued in hundred thousand yen blocks. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so it's, you, you've mentioned there about the exchange rate. This is something that people should be aware of as well. I'm not sure when they'll be listening to this one, but. Um, Exchange rates for most major currencies against Japanese yen are now the highest they've been in somewhere between four to seven years, depending on the currency. So whatever it is you're bringing into Japan, dollars, euros, what have you, they're now buying a lot more in yens. So even if you don't have a particular property purchase in mind, now is a very good time to remit funds across. Yeah, and so. that might change some because I was going to ask Tracy, actually, are you seeing, you mentioned you're doing monthly and not short-term rentals because of the uh, pandemic. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing any change now? Because the borders have opened slightly, haven't they? People, yes, there's been some. Um, and that's why this particular person who's been living in my house for six months, I said, it's about time that, we, that, uh, <laughs> that you moved on. Because, yes, I've had people that... These are people that had booked last year or the year before um, that are that are making new bookings. So um, I'm seeing a lot more, uh, a lot more new bookings or a lot of movement from uh, bookings that are in the past. So, but it's still not now. It's December. It's November. It's January 2023. There's yeah. a lot more of that happening. There's still, um, yeah. Hmm. So, no tourists yet, but other people at least are coming in. So that might um, affect exchange rates again when it happens. We'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I still have to sort of chase up the um, uh, the inbound um, relocations. So, hmm. all right. I- I'll need to well, jump off in a few minutes. I actually as well. sorry. Yeah, sure thing. Well, next week we are going to have my friend who's uh, who's going to talk all things renovations, um, reform. She's just started up a reform company. Um, and uh, so if there are questions, we should think about that in advance. So what we can what we can ask her. Yeah. About this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, Lots I'm going to log questions. off. So talk to you cats later. Thank Jenny. you very much. Meow. Thank you guys so much. Take care. See you again See soon. Ya. Bye bye. And there you go. Hope you've enjoyed this rather eclectic but fun conversation as much as we did. And again, watch this space. Our brand new panel member, Blanca Kobayashi, is going to be joining us very soon. You're going to love her, particularly if you, like many of our viewers and listeners, have a soft spot for renovations, rebuilds, upgrades, and all of that good stuff. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com. 
and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku. Bye.